And that's when I was in there and I saw that picture. It was like, I've got to refocus. I've got to create challenge since there isn't challenge right now. Because I told myself, I will never become complacent like that again. You know, you can't let life get easy. And that's why endurance sports have become so key is because I realized that I have to be challenging myself every day. And there's no better way to challenge yourself than through. Welcome to Ultra Habits. Here, we go under the hood with our guests to unpack the minutiae and to understand what processes and systems they engage or research that result in ultra-enhanced living. Howdy folks, it is RJ Singh here and we are bringing to you another fantastic guest this week. We are being graced by the presence of Joy McAdams and today it's everything growth mindset. And we're not talking about theory, we're talking about the embodiment. Now Joy is an executive in the healthcare arena from Atlanta, Georgia. She is a mother of five and she is an iron woman. She really typifies the executive athlete and what it's like to be a woman whilst killing it out there. Now, I have been watching Joy over the last few years on LinkedIn, and this has been a long time coming. She's a very dynamic woman. Uh, Her road and journey hasn't been easy, as with everyone, there's been up and downs. But, you know, we never know, you know, we can look at someone at social media and make assumptions, but you never know what someone's been through until you get the experience of walking a day in their shoes. And that's what we're really here to unpack today. It's all about how do we as executives navigate a complex life of business requirements, family requirements, whilst pushing our mind, body, spirit to the max. I hope you enjoy this show. It's a conversation with someone that has become a friend, and it's a conversation that is really unpacking someone's experience who lives what you're going through. She is an executive. She's out there every day competing in different forums And I think there's a lot for us all to learn about how we can bring it together more effectively. Anyways, folks, I'll leave you in the capable hands of joy. Please enjoy the show. No pun intended. Rate this podcast. Peace out. I'm out of here. Welcome to Ultra Habits, Joy. It has been a long time coming, followed, and we've supported each other on LinkedIn for a very long time. We're super, super excited to have you on the show this morning. We're in the same synergy. And to be honest, I was always wondering, is he ever going to ask me to be on his podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on the agenda. And and to be honest, there's a lot of uh, friends on LinkedIn that I've got in mind and I've started to ask. It was about building momentum for the first two seasons, you know. But yeah, yeah you've always were in my sights to get on the show. I feel like we have so much in common so much to talk about. And we all know you as the growth mindset queen. And the reason we love you is you're not, you know, you're not just speaking a sermon, you're showing us the sermon. And that's what we want to hear and see. And I think particularly for the corporate athlete, you know, it's all well and good to see professional athletes doing their thing. But for someone that's balancing family and business, I think that's the real complexity when you're involved in something like endurance sport and, and we'll get into all that, but we're going to start from the beginning and where I'm going to take this is it's something that I've always wanted to ask you about. You've posted this picture a couple times of when you were a little girl. And I think you 
went on a run or you race during your dad's race. Can you tell us that story? Because I've been dying to hear it. I wanted to save it for the show. Sure. And you know, it's funny. That was like a pivotal moment that has kind of launched everything. And I think that's the, I think one of the key points I want to point from that is if we can go back and inspire ourselves, you know, from something we've personally done, it has even more meaning than looking to somebody else for inspiration. And I truly believe that all of us have something within us or something we've accomplished in the past, no matter how big or how small, that when we face new challenges, although they may not be the exact same challenge, there's a similarity there that we can go back and look and say, I did this once, I can do it again. You know, whether it's that same type of grit or, you know, the same type of endurance that we need for this new challenge. And I learned that through that whole situation. So yeah, quick story. The way it happened was um, the end of 2018, I was kind of um, at a standstill, my business just, you know, just kind of stuck. And I knew I needed something to kind of like launch me to push me. And to that point, I had always been physically fit, active, very regular with my working outs, but nothing endurance, nothing ultra. And I was going back through old pictures because it was around Christmas time. And I saw that little picture of me. Um, and it's a long story short, when I was four years old, I ran a 9.3 mile race. Um, and when I was three, I ran a three mile race. And then the next year when I was four, I said to my dad, three miles is for babies. I'm four now. I'm a big girl. I want to do the 9.3 mile race. It's this, it's this really fun race, um, in Tampa called the Gasparilla distance classic. They have pirates and everything. It's on the bay. It's super cool. And my dad was like, uh, you know, my mom's eyes got big. She was like, don't let my baby go run nine miles. And he was like, okay, I'll tell you what. And this is another really key lesson that my dad, you don't want to hinder people from chasing a big goal, but you want to make sure that they can achieve it or they're prepared and they're not going to injure. So he said, if you can run to grandma's house, which was five miles away, farther than I'd ever run, then we'll let you do the race because he never thought I would make it five miles. And of course I made it the five miles. So when I showed up at grandma's house, grandma's waiting there with food and my mom's eyes got even bigger. She's like, what? Now we're going to let her run this race. She was worried. Um, but my dad was super proud, you know, and, and he knew that if I could do five miles, I had that, that focus to do it. And that's what it comes down to and why it stuck out to me was the focus because a four-year-old, no question, they have the energy. The fact that I can run that physically, that's not impressive. Kids are bouncing off the walls, right? I mean, it wasn't the energy to run nine miles at that age. It was the focus. Because what four-year-old is going to train is going to push their little body past their threshold. Because I remember when I finished that nine-mile race, I had stepped into that deep, dark place. As you know, about endurance, I was crying. My emotions had broken down, which is very typical when you get to the end of endurance sports. I had pushed myself to its limit. And that's what was so impressive that as a four-year-old, I was ready, you know, and willing to step into that place. And I wanted to find that again. And so that's what inspired me. I said, you know what? I've, I've never run a marathon, a full marathon. I need to do a marathon. Let me just see where that takes me. And that's what started this whole journey. That's when my following grew because everyone followed that. And that's what kept leading to more and more. Because once you step into the growth and experience it, you don't want to stop. Yeah. And there's a lot in that. And I'm just reflecting on a post I did once with my daughter and I was exercising. And I'll never forget you made a comment that 
my daughter would appreciate having a fit dad. And in, I immediately connected to that picture that you had posted. So I want to talk about that, like in terms of your dad, how did he shape you and what was his story? Because I think there's something important there for parents. Sure, sure, sure. And I'm super proud. He was actually a professional fi- prize fighter too, a boxer. Wow. Um, he go. came over from Mexico as a kid. And that's truly the one thing that kept him off the streets, kept him out of trouble was uh, a coach found him. He got into the gym and he started chasing this dream of boxing. Um, and you know, there is no, I mean, I don't, I can't think of anything bigger, stronger mindset than boxing. I mean, that is like physically taking these blows and going right back. I mean, that's insanity. So, um, so that, you know, that along with, he was always, you know, in shape and, and was always running and I was always standing there watching him running. And, and I can truly say, I am so grateful that if you can expose your kids to the love of movement, um, from the time they're a child, that is a gift that will go with them their whole life. And on the, on the counter, you know, it really makes me, um, you know, try to understand and reach out to people who didn't grow up with that. It isn't easy to develop this positive relationship towards physical exercise. It's if you don't grow up with it, just like eat healthy eating habits, all of that, it is so hard to change down the road. So if you can give your kids healthy lifestyles and, you know, a healthy approach to fitness and exercise from the time they're little, it's going to be so much easier for them their whole life. So I think that's so important and I'm so incredibly grateful. And I recognize that that was something I had no control over, right? It could have been so different had he not exposed me to that so young. So I I fully appreciate that. I think it's a great example of what happens when you just have and you create a bar. You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to tell your kids. It just kind of like the fact that you were able to run nine miles, there was no doubt previous to that put in your mind because your bar was your dad, right? Like, and it's incredible. Well, then we live life. And I think this steps into your growth mindset and life does life's thing. And people tell us, you know, they tell us shit about ourselves and rah, rah, rah. And the next thing you know, we start developing these limiting beliefs and, and mindset. So, so let's step through your 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 kind of childhood to adolescence like what where did you grow up like were you a focused young woman like did you you know did you make your mistakes like we all do what was that whole process like for you well i had two brothers um and so i grew up really feeling like i always had to prove myself you know because it was i grew i feel like i kind of grew up in a, a neighborhood that had all boys i had my brothers they were all athletic and to to hang with them, to get any respect from them, I had to be just as good as them. Otherwise, it was like, oh, you know, and, and in a way that's so sad, you know, and, and we are fighting for, you know, equal, you know, recognition for male and female. But at the same time, you know, everything that happens in our life happens for a purpose. And I look back at that and I realize that growing up with this overline, you're going to have to work harder. You're going to have to push harder than anybody else just to be on their level. It, it, you know, it kind of fueled something in me and it made me be okay with hard work and, you know, doing the extra things. And the same thing when I grew up, there weren't girls teams. So if I wanted to play baseball, which I wanted to play so badly, I had to go out for the boys team. Well, those boys didn't accept me when I first walked up. Right. I mean, as soon as I walked up, I think I was like seven. They're like, we don't want girls. 
we don't want girls on this team. And so from that moment, I had to prove I can be better than you just to get acceptance on a regular level. And so, you know, working through all that, and I'm so glad that my parents didn't shelter me and say, oh, we don't want her to be hurt. We don't want her. They stood there and watched me walk up. They watched the mean comments being said to me. They didn't step in and say they, but it showed them, wow, she really wants this. And that's a whole nother lesson. If you really want something, no adversity, you know, the limiting beliefs that people are going to put on you, it's going to bounce off because you want that so badly, nothing's going to stop you. And so there's so many things from my childhood, and I'm glad you asked me to share that because when you go back and you break those things down, you can carry all of that because you're right, as we get older, we start to care what people think, we start to limit ourselves, we, you know, and as a child, I think if you, there's so much to learn from children, I'm glad I have so many to look at and learn from. There's so many things we can learn from them, you know, and, you know, when your child wants something, they're going to do anything to get that, you know? <laughs> mm, it, it's a really interesting one and, and something I reflect upon a lot, Joyce, to like, particularly with my son, because he's the oldest. And I think we helicoptered a bit because he was our first child. And, and it's like, how much do you build them up? without them actually doing the work. And I struggle with that. Like, like how, like I, I want to make life a little hard, but at the same time, it's confusing to understand like how much of it do we actually give to him in terms of it wasn't earned versus he's got to fight and earn because I'm acutely aware that in life, he's going to go up in, you know, circumstances again, life's competitive and he's going to deal with people that are fighters and he's going to deal with people that are, are willing to do what it takes to get the result. And, you know, I'm, I'm also aware that could be my own frame in the way I see life, but I just want to make sure that I'm not artificially pumping him up and that he actually truly feels like he's earned the right to be at the, the table does that make sense to you like no absolutely and i think that is the hardest challenge because if we grow up as fighters and we grow up with maybe less than and we grow up whatever all of those things it's almost like we don't want that for our kids in a way That's we want exactly to make it right. easier for them because we go back and we we cut off the part that but wait look what that did for me you know like look how that helped me that's why i am the way i am and then each child's going to be different so you know we have five um and so just to see the petri dish of each type of personality and how they interact and you know and what they need what they each need to be validated and some need to be challenged more than others some are more appreciative. And, and so you can give them more because they truly appreciate it. You know, then there's others who they feel like they may expect something. I may give them less because they have this attitude of this is owed to me. So it's also being in tune with their weaknesses and their strengths and, and explaining to each of them, I'm not going to treat you all the same because you're all different. Do you want to be treated all the same? No, you don't. And so it's, it's really, for me, it's like really praying for that wisdom of, how to handle each child and, and really look for their weaknesses and strengths and, you know, compliment, um, you know, those, because it's a, it, that in itself is exhausting. <laughs> well, how do you though? Cause that's interesting. So I've been thinking about that as well. I'm behind the journey, right? I, I've got little ones and it's, so what you're saying is relevant in terms of, I know for our audience, but how I'm thinking like, 
you customize your approach for each child. How do you ensure that the child or the children don't develop resentment and are mature enough to understand why you're doing that? The communication, uh, you know, really the communication on that. Um, because if we instill, like, like you're saying, we can't just talk about a growth mindset. We have to instill it. So if we are instilling these approaches, and there's so many examples where we can instill it, you know, when, you know, when, when something goes wrong for this child or someone's being mean or they get, you know, like my daughter, you know, she, she's in, I, I, she's the last one to go through middle school. And I'm like, I have been through middle school five times now. I am done with middle school. It is exhausting, cruel. I mean, it's a terrible time in your life. And and you live it as a parent, right? And so um, I'm so done, but hers has been, you know, kind of tricky, especially being a girl. And so when you teach them, you know, no, I'm not going to go call this parent. I, you know, as long as it's something that I don't really have to handle, I say, what can you learn from this? You know what I mean? Maybe this is going to help you be more sensitive to other people. You don't like that they're talking about you. Well, then you better never be talking about somebody else because you see what it feels like. So you can turn these negative and always pointing out that these negative things are going to help us grow from that. And so once they get that mindset, you know, I also share with them, you know, there's a reason that God made me your parent with my flaws, with my, you know, the things that I'm strong in. He placed you in my home. And so I'm not going to do everything perfect, but there's always going to be something you can learn, even if I mess up as a parent, right? Because all of those things shape and mold us and we're all personalized and we all are unique. And so, I mean, when you are open about that with the kids and maybe explain why, you know, I'm not just going to give you money. Once you get a car, we help you with the car. You got to figure out the gas, going out with friends, the food. You want to do all that? That's up and above outside of the home. There's food here for dinner. You want to go out with your friends? You better have money to go out with your friends, which means you're going to have to have a job. You know, and it actually prepares them better because a lot of people, then they get to real life and then it hits them at mid-20s. Oh, what? You know what I mean? Or you're going to have a kid at your house till they're 30, 40 years old. You know, so it's like, what do you want? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's so much in that, Joy. And I think a lot of us that watch your journey admire particularly how you balance family, integrate family whilst you're doing everything you're doing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring it to your, your journey into corporate. And we all know that you're um, in the executive space. Uh, I believe in pharma, healthcare, or pharma before. Um, were you always hyper-driven? Like, did you always know what you were going to do? Or was this growth mindset something you picked up again later on? Yeah. So the growth mindset, I initially started off, um, you know, like a lot of kids in, in college, you don't really know what you want to do. You know, you, and that's what I tell my kids as they go to college. I'm like, no one's putting pressure on you to figure it out. Like go and start. It's a journey. You're going to keep weaving. And even as adults, we continue to weave 10, 20 years into our career. We're always weaving because the world is changing. So they're there is no way to know exactly what you want to do. So take that pressure off. But um, I started off in broadcasting. Um, I was, um, my dreams of being on air, you know, um, news, all of that. But then quickly realized that it was, number one, if you want to have a family, if you want to have any kind of income, it was, they pay nothing because everybody wants to do that, right? And so you had to jump market to market to maybe, I mean, it was like a terrible 
So the meteorologist kind of took me under his wing. I'm so grateful for him. And he pointed me towards sales and he was like, Joy, why don't you go to the sales department? He said, look, who's driving the nicest cars. Look who has the best schedules, you know, like, like you have that flexible, a little bit more flexibility. And so I was very thankful, did that, got to learn about every industry, right? Because back then TV was like where anybody who was anybody advertised, you know, tell it's changed so much now, but way back then, you know, dating myself, um, that's where it was. So I learned so much from that, kind of started to learn about the medical space. And then, um, you know, at that time I started having my kids and then realized, Hey, I need flexibility. Right. Because all of a sudden I felt that closing in of, you're not going to tell me that my child's sick and I can't stay home with them. You know, if my child's sick, I'm going to stay home and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. Right. This isn't life. This is not life. And I started to see, you know, which I never imagined beforehand. I just thought, oh, I have a kid, put up a daycare, it'll be fine. But it's not that easy. You know, when you don't have family or support in town, you run out of sick days, then what, right? I mean, who's going to... So anyway, that opened my eyes. And I realized I wanted more. I realized I wanted to have more control of my schedule, of my own growth, you know, all of that. And so I ended up becoming a media buyer um, once again, got into more healthcare and then found my way into healthcare once again um, and helping physicians and medical practices grow because, um, you know, they have a very limited growth mindset. They're very clinical. They're very by the book because that's that's their mindset. That's how, you know, that's what medicine is. And so when it comes to creativity and out of the box thinking and, you know, marketing and that type of thing, that's where they needed help. And so I was able to step in and, and form my own uh, my own company, actually helping specialty practices grow by relationship building. Do you feel this is a, a kind of a, a, a maybe a weird question? Do you feel doctors feel guilty about being marketers and salespeople? Like, do you think there's a bit of cognitive dissonance there? Like, I'm a doctor. Okay? <laughs> I'm yeah, yeah, and I, well, I, think, I think they don't quite um, always understand it either, right? Because they're so focused in on a lot of black and white that they don't realize that there's, especially nowadays, there's so much to marketing. You know, there's that relationship building, there's the creativity aspect, there's all of that. And they don't go to school for those types of things, right? You know, there, that's, and, and a lot of, there's a, there's big business in the medical field and there's a big need for business-minded people um, to help. Cause at the end of the day, there are businesses still, right? I mean, there are medical, but you have doctors trying to run a business who don't have a business background. It, it's tough, you know? You know Shay, don't you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. He's in your industry, right? He outsources kind of medical services. Yes. Yes. I, I'm going to have him. Um, we're launching a podcast. I'm going to, he's one of the first people I want to have on. He is so. You're from the same town too, right? He's from Atlanta as well. Um, He is initially, but I think he lives in Tennessee. Does he live in Tennessee Uh, now? One of them, I I got confused, but yeah, you guys are right up each other's alley. Oh yeah. No, I resonate with him so much. He's, he's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So I want to ask you what kind of spurred you into endurance sport? Like, why did you decide to get back into it after your nine miler as a, as a, as a little kid, like what was Yeah, it was, it was the search for that focus. You know, it it really was, um, you know, there's a long story short and I've shared it a while back, but sometimes people forget midway through my life, I ended up going through a divorce, small kids lost everything, you know, no, I mean, it was just a complete nightmare. Like when I say everything, I mean like 
my last money that I transferred from a business account to my bank account got frozen. And literally there was a zero balance in my bank account and the bank saying it's going to be a few days. It somehow got lost in the transfer. I'm like, how does that happen? (laughs) You know, so it was, it was really a deep, dark time in my life. Um, I was struggling with a lot of things, a lot of my identity and, you know, who was I? And it was mid thirties. And, um, I think coming out of that and, and finding starting all over and finding my, my new, you know, a client all on my own without one reference, without anything. Um, Cause at the time I was working, um, doing a lot of work for my brother in marketing and, you know, he didn't agree with it and fired me, but I had worked for him for like 10 years. So like I had no references, like zero, nothing. Um, and so it was a real dark time. And um, when I got through that, I think that's the first time that it was like, took me back to some of those times as a child that were tougher, right? Because I think from, you know, college to early, you know, the next 10, 15 years, it was easy. And, and it was a reminder that when life is easy, you don't grow, you don't go anywhere. And what's going to end up happening is like what happened to me. Then you wake up and you realize you're miserable. You're miserable. You're not living up to your potential. and all of that pain and challenge and being scared to death when you lose everything like that, it kind of awakens you again. And that fight or flight mode picks up again, you know, and and that was a pivotal moment in my life, um, which eventually led to, you know, starting to do well in business again. And then I was like, "Uh Oh, I'm getting comfortable again. I know what happens when this happens. And that's when I was in there and I saw that picture. It was like, I've got to refocus. I've got to create challenge since there isn't challenge right now, because I told myself I will never become complacent like that again. You know, you can't let life get easy. And that's why endurance sports have become so key is because I realized that I have to be challenging myself every day. And there's no better way to challenge yourself than through the endurance sports because there's no cheating it. You can't get out of it. When you're out there, you've got to run back. I like the way you say you run it out and back. So when you get out there, you got to come back. (laughs) There's no choice. No, there isn't. And no. And I think it's key to kind of make it clear to the audience as well. Like none of this would have potentially happened for you had you not gone through that crisis of your divorce. Like it's incredible how through adversity that's thrown at us and when things kind of fall apart, like I'm sure you 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 were able to leverage that later on and realize, well, look, I got through that, I can get through this 40 mile or whatever, right? Like, cause it's, it's these things um, that we go through that give us that illustrative example that we've got the fortitude and you said it earlier and yeah, to get through it. And so you're now well into uh, triathlon and Ironman. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How are you managing the integration of everything, man, like the kids, the training. I know that you said that you don't beat yourself up if you miss a session. Like what's that whole mindset around how you bring it all together? Yeah, no, and it's tough. It's very challenging. And um, it's funny, I'm about now, actually this weekend, I'm flying to Boulder, Colorado. Um, I came across a business person who's really into triathlon. They launched this huge community 
um, which includes a whole bunch of the pros. And we're going to try to merge like the pros and the age groupers and let them interact and learn from each other. Because like you're saying, there's so much we can learn from the pros, but there's also so much from the the average, you know, the age groupers who aren't average. I mean, they're, they're hitting times. Some of them are hitting times they could go pro, but they stay age group. And I wish they would go pro so that I would have a chance. But I mean, it's great. You know, um, like just to give you an idea, I showed up to my end of the race in, uh, in November and the girl who won, not only won my age group, but she won the whole event and she's in my age group. And I'm like, I have to be a pro to, to even place in my age group. I mean, it's gotten that advanced, which is awesome. It's pushing us. But anyway, so um, all of that kind of came together, which is another example of you don't have to know, just start moving and you're going to start getting into your passion more and more and more. So I'm so thrilled to go. I'm going to be able to interview all these top pros who have huge followings. Everybody knows who they are and to jump into their mindset, um, but also, you know, bring on incredible age groupers like Shay, you know, like people who have these stories because everybody's got an incredible story. And, and we all have a different reason for why this means so much to us. Um, and, but to answer your question, um, yeah, it's a, it's a love hate, you know, because it's like, you don't, you don't want it to dominate your life. You don't want it to, to take over. There's times you feel selfish because there's something family or, or you're at a family event and you're thinking, I really needed to get a session longer set, you know, and, and so it, it constantly keeps you in check, which I think is a good thing. Um, and it's, it, I, but I'm really moving more towards, you know, like you said, I, I really have to be gracious with myself, you know, I'm looking, making every moment count. So with my work, there's no time to procrastinate. Right. And it kind of keeps me in check. So I'm like, if I want to get there in time to get this session in today, I've got to get everything done, you know, on point, it keeps me focused. Cause otherwise, and, and that's what it's all about. It's all about focus. Right. And and it helps keep me focused. And I'll show you, I did a post, where's this little rock? The coolest thing was I did that first marathon, um, you know, for focus, walked my way through that. And then, you know, along the way, picked up Ironman, all of that, learned how to swim. Well, I mean, I didn't know anything. It, it's been an amazing, this year especially was amazing. Um, but when I went to the, I qualified for Boston. And when I went to Boston Marathon, at the entrance to the little place I stayed, I was going up the steps and I found this rock. And it says focus on it. And I was like, how full circle is that? I'm running one of the most iconic marathons. I started this for focus. And then there's a rock here. I'm like, God, put a rock here for me to remind me, you know what? This might not make sense to everybody else. But if it makes sense to you, keep going, you know? And that was just such a sign for me. I thought it was the coolest thing that there was this rock that said focus. And that's why I started all of this. Let's talk about the the Boston Marathon because I think it's a good segue into the charity work. Uh, and there's a really heartwarming story there with the Boston Marathon. I think a little girl named Emma. Ella, yeah, Ella. Ella. Can you talk about that story? Hey guys, just wanted to quickly thank you for watching or listening to our show. It's through your continued support that we are able to scale this thing the way we have been. If you haven't already, please go to www.ultrahabits.co. Keep up to date with everything that we are doing, everything we are going to do, and you will find some really interesting information there that will help you with your habits. Anyways, back to the show, guys. Enjoy.
Sure, sure. So in my work um, with the in healthcare, I'm also part of a program that um, they give back a lot to Children's Miracle Network hospitals. So I had been, you know, really exposed. And through my work, we've been able to do check presentations to the hospitals. They do incredible work for children. Um, so my heart is definitely, you know, there with helping. And, you know, in everything we do, I think we always need to be serving our purpose and always, um, you know, like checking into what is our purpose for doing this. If I'm going to go spend all these hours training and doing endurance sports, I don't want it to be just for me. Right. I want to make sure it has a bigger cause, whether it's inspiring people, you know, and through social media to get out there and get active and be that example or whether it's an opportunity like this. So when I saw the opportunity, even though I qualified for Boston, there was an opportunity to run to raise money for Boston Children's Hospital. And I was like, of course, you know, if I'm going to be there, if I'm going to be promoting this race, I don't want it to be about joy running Boston. Let's make it bigger. And so they put me with a patient partner. Her name is Ella. She was born with four fingers, so she was missing her thumbs, and she was born without her radial bones, which would be, you know, the bone running up to your thumb. So throughout a series of surgeries, they've taken one of her other fingers, made a thumb. Um, She's had to learn how to use that. I mean, just has had to overcome so many challenges. And I was able to go meet her when we got there. We went out to dinner with her family. I interviewed her, put an interview up on LinkedIn. And just her appreciation for life and her fight and how nothing holds her back. You know, even though she's growing up and she could be bitter and angry and and just wanting to, you know, angry with God. Why why was I born like this? It's not fair. But she has taken it the total opposite. It's made her such a beautiful person. And as I was running the marathon, um, they were waiting halfway. They had a big tent, the whole Boston Children's Hospital. And, you know, I told them, I said, I'm trying to requalify for Boston, but I'll stop. I'm going to take the pictures real quick, but let's make it fast because I, you know, I got to hit my time. And um, I can't tell you, as I approached mile 13, my tears and my eyes just welled up. And and because all along the way, also, I had never been to, I've been so chasing like Ironman championships and Kona and so focused on that that I really underestimated what a privilege and what a big deal it is to run Boston. And when I showed up to the race, I was overwhelmed. It is amazing. The vibe, just everything. And there's this one street where it's called the screen tunnel and you run through and there's all these people just screaming and you're just hitting all the hands. I mean, it's like that pretty much around the whole 26 miles, but it's one specific. But when I, you know, when I would pass those places, everyone's yelling, go Ella. Cause I had Ella on my shirt. They're yelling, go Boston. And you just felt the love for anyone who would support the hospital, you know, and so all of that kind of built up. And when I got to mile 13, she was there. We took pictures. We hugged real quick. And that truly was better than the finish. I mean, that was just the highlight of the entire race. It was just so amazing. And, um, you know, and then to be able to share that story and our team, um, we raised over $2.2 million for Boston Children's Hospital, which it just showed, you know, it was a reminder and it was a big deal. And even my husband, sometimes he doesn't quite understand why are you so obsessed with all this? Right. But that one event, he was like, that, that was like, it meant everything to him. He was like, it started to kind of show that through these sports and through what we're doing and through who we're becoming while chasing these things, that's a big part of it. We become this upper level person that we need to be to lead. 
And that's what I'm always explaining too. If you want to be a leader in your home, you want to be a leader in the workforce, you have to have the muscle and the grit and the determination and the endurance to lead and to lead strong people. So you have to be strong to carry the, because you don't know when you're going to need to carry somebody. You don't know when, you know, and figuratively speaking, you don't know when you're going to need to carry, you know, someone in your family or someone at work or someone who's going to need you. And you have to be strong enough to do that. And I want to be that person. And that's a, that's a big deal. And you know, anybody, you know, that's involved in endurance sports, they are strong people from the inside out. And it's a different level person. And that's why I'm so excited to go interview all these pros. I mean, just to be there knowing what they go through to achieve what they achieve, getting in that right room with the right people is another point. I'm always like, chase that room, get in there with them. Let's talk to them. Let's figure these things out. It's amazing. I think what you've just said is I reflect on that. Like when you're leading strong people, strong people will naturally look to see if you have the right to lead them. And that right isn't imparted because you're autocratic. You know, like I, I actually just reflecting on when you said that, like I, when I'm around people, I have a very funny relationship with leaders or people that try to lead me. And there's this real assessment piece when I'm actually looking at them and thinking, is this person stronger than me in ways that can help pull me up? And if I don't think they can, there's something in me that doesn't fully subscribe to their leadership. And that might sound bad, but that's just the reality. No, like, I'm with you. I'm with you on I'm that. I'm like, it's not like, it's not like I'm saying like we're gorillas testing each other, but I mean, you know, there's a bit of that going on. I'm like, okay, well, why should I follow you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how are you raising the bar here? So it's excellent. That's an excellent point. And Look, I think we'll we'll bring it to a, a close, but before we do, I just, I think you're truly a joy, no pun intended. I think your energy shines through the, the camera. Um, it really does. You know, there's a lot of times where you meet people and it's like, well, they don't necessarily align with the way you thought they would, but with you, there, there's no doubt. And I think, yeah, for sure. I mean, you just have a down earthness. I said, as I said before the show, um, you're, there's a humility there but you're a badass, you know, the mom thing is, it's such an inspiration for women that are like, I can't do it because I've got, you know, rah, rah, rah. Like, you know, so I think you serve such a good example to women, particularly in corporate and executive space. And just wrapping this up, I want to ask you one last question. As you reflect on the growth mindset, how could someone habituate the growth mindset in their life? Like where to just what would you say simple things that a person could do to start to habituate into that, into their operating system and how they. they so live? I love this. I love the phrase I've repeated a few times. I'm not even sure, you know, where I heard it. So I don't want to claim it, but you are what you do every day. Right. So it's not like, oh, I want to be a high performer. I want no, like if you want to be a high performer, you have to be a high performer each day. So that means if you're going to be lazy, you're going to be lazy every day. If you're going to be average, you'll do average things every day. But truly, you got to do one hard thing every day. And, you know, for us, we find a lot of that in the physical discipline. But it also goes further to extending grace, extending forgiveness, you know, to your spouse, because your kids are watching that. You can talk about growth mindset all you want and forgiveness and grace. But if 
if you're going at it with your spouse and you're not forgiving and you're not working through conflict, they're, they're going to go by what they see, right? And, and sometimes it starts with the closest person to you. And, you know, my husband has a very strong personality. So I know that God teaches me so many lessons through him because I have to extend grace. I have to extend forgiveness. Sometimes I just go to, you know, and that's a constant trigger on me to, to humble myself and to be gracious. Right. And I, I think that, you know, there's, you, you were just sending a letter or a card or saying the extra thank you. Anything that you would consider is a little bit higher than what somebody, the average person would do. That's a high performing activity. And if you do that consistently, you become a high performer because it's the compounding effect. So it's really not that hard when you break it down. You know, it's just like training. And that's why I say anything's better than nothing. Like that will add up. It truly will. And you, you reap the benefits of it. And then you sit back and you're like, are you kidding? I can't believe I've made it this far. I can't believe, you know, just like when you get to the top of a mountain, you're like, wow, I did that, you know? And it's, that just gives you the confidence to go on for more and it just keeps going. It's beautiful insights. Uh, it is beautiful. It's that whole uh, kind of we need to be the change and, and you know, we can talk about it and have conversations about it. But and I, I resonate with that primary relationship stuff, like how am I actually with the people in my life where, you know, there's no social media. There's <laughs> they see the real deal. <laughs> That's it, man. Like, you know, like, you know, it's, I could be this, that, the other than walk in the house and kick the dog. Right. Yeah. Like, that really. But look, I think we'll, we'll leave it there, Joy. I really appreciate you. I appreciate your time and thank you for the wisdom that you shared with us today. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. 